the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Right now, it's 106 on this Wednesday. Boy, the melting has just heard the forecast. The melting is uh, terrific, and I don't even mind the fact we have some rain coming in, uh, as you just heard later in the week. But uh, today, temperatures, it's going to be into the 40s, and then tomorrow looks like a nice day up into the 50s, and then on uh, Friday, again, raining in the 50s, finally get rid of some more of this rain, and then next week looks um, mild. A lot of the, um, I believe the children are on school vacation week is next week, so it should be in the 50s. Kids will be outside, obviously a lot of rain this time of year, but get rid of some of that snow. And I don't mean to repeat the forecast that you just heard, but... um, at this time of year, as it's getting brighter and we can almost feel a little bit of time, spring is in the air. Um, I'd look for any encouraging signs bring us closer to spring. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. They're waiting for you. Delicious meal, fun, full bar, large dining area, and they have the big new deck. They're waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. So I know that President Biden is warning Russia against a, a needless war. But this is um, a chess match that's going to play itself out just to give you an idea of, of the latest. It's very concerning. The uh, Russian aggression is, um, is very, very concerning towards Ukraine. I recognize that, I recognize that some people uh, may feel, you know, what's the... Um, why does it matter? And, you know, what, what, what does it matter if it's going to happen? But, you know, this is, this throws off, um, this throws off the, the world order with, uh, both China and Russia wanting to assert, you know, aggression, especially China towards Taiwan probably waiting until the end of the Olympics, and then Russia with Ukraine. Biden said, oh, I'm going to draw down. I want diplomacy. Well, they haven't drawn down. There's still 130,000 troops on the border of Ukraine. And 130,000 troops. And it would sure seem that what they're looking to do is somehow they're, they're trying to... Um, what they're trying to do is they want to have a situation where they're going to declare that Ukraine fired on them and they're just defending themselves. That's that's what I think. So, all right, we have a lot of sound to get to. Um, there's also a, a situation, um, a situation where in uh, in the West Coast they actually. Um, on the West Coast, they, they actually recalled some members of the school committee. And think of that, that in um, in San Francisco, of all places, and they're recalling people. So we have that sound. Also, the mayor of New York, I was playing that, and that's starting to really take off more, is, is now the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, that had a lot of promise of New York residents, that this was someone that was going to take on crime. People don't feel that way based on what he, you know, said yesterday, where now he's trying to say that the media that's covering him 
they're doing it in a, in a, in a racist manner. So, but let's go to San Francisco voter says he voted to recall the far left school board members because they saw the school board prioritize renaming schools instead of getting kids back into school. So think of what that took. Here we go. Kids struggling, uh, you know, we're, you know, doing school from home. And I saw the school board prioritize renaming schools over getting kids back into school. They should have been focused on reopening schools like most districts were thinking about and doing. I think it's great that people are finally starting to focus on some of the actions within these uh, school boards. All right, I want to once again play. This is the mayor of New York. He's coming under fire on this now. Um, and, and, and I put this out on Twitter yesterday. I tweeted, I can't believe this guy. Now he attacks the press. I got 91 comments. I know a lot of people are not on Twitter, but that, 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 that's actually a lot. And then I also want to follow up. I did get, um, I questioned someone that said, how can you say that Fung is the front runner in CD2? And he responded, Jessica De La Cruz. I'm supporting Jessica De La Cruz. I'm hoping she'll be another Christine Nome, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Fung is just another establishment. Hack, let, let me explain something. When I say who the front runner is, I, do some people not know what the term front runner means? It doesn't mean I'm rooting for the person. It just means that's maybe some people have a different idea of that. It's kind of if someone says to you, who do you think is going to win the Patriots and the Bills? If you say, I, I think Buffalo has a better team. That doesn't mean you're a Buffalo fan. That means who you think is going to win. If we're discussing and maybe I. Some people don't understand what the term, it could be possible, I learn a lot. People don't understand what the term front runner means. It doesn't mean that's who we're rooting for. That means who would be considered the leader if everything starts fresh, which it does, who becomes or would be considered the front runner in the race. It doesn't mean who you're supporting. You could support someone who's not the front runner. And by virtue, and, and, and conversely, if you say someone's a front runner, it doesn't mean you're supporting them, by the way. If CNN says in 2024, it would certainly look like President Trump would be the front runner on the Republican side. Do I have to explain that that certainly doesn't mean CNN is rooting for President Trump? They're trying to look at it objectively and they determine he seems to be in the best position to win the race. So maybe it is people that don't understand the term front runner. Um, maybe I'll even go over to the definition of it. It seems to be a, a, a problem with people that don't. And again, I, I sometimes take for granted that people would know what a definition means. But just for the point of uh, sake of argument. I will pull up the, the definition of it. So so this person that was emailing me, they, they regard it as that means that's who you're rooting for. <laughs> no, it, it, it doesn't mean that. The, the meaning of front runner, this is according to um, Miriam Webster, is a contestant who runs best when in the lead. How to use front runner in a sentence. So 
uh, a contestant who runs best when in the lead, a front runner, a leading contestant in a rivalry competition. It doesn't mean the person that you're rooting for, Brian. Brian's saying, Fung, why are you saying Fung's the front runner? I'm rooting for Jessica de la Cruz. That's two entirely different things. You know, I, I realize that more and more, that people's vocabularies are not what we think they are. And that's a good example of it. Oh, so you want him to... No, no. If, if you say someone's the front runner, <laughs> as I just said, it means the person would be considered leading the competition, not who you want to win. Many times, and oftentimes voting in Rhode Island... The person that I vote for does not win. It doesn't make my candidate the front runner, by the way. So in in um, in CD two Democrat primary, Seth Magaziner is considered the front runner. So you want him to win? No, that doesn't mean I want him to win. <laughs> oh my goodness, folks! We need to bring back English. People don't know what terms mean. It's so easy. You don't even need to find a dictionary. Just Google definition of a word. No, he would be considered the, quote, front runner because he's won statewide office twice. He holds a statewide office general treasurer. He has the ability and has demonstrated the the ability to, number one, get elected, number two, raise money. Thus, that's why he would be considered the front runner. So you want him to win? No, I didn't say I want him to win. I'm explaining why that individual would be considered the front runner. People are confusing the term. I don't know what how they're confusing it, but they think front runner means that's who I'm supporting. Um, okay, I don't want to spend any more time on that. I, I just realized that I need to... Um, Sometimes when people are contacting the program, and folks, you can email me. Notice I'm not going to say exactly who it is, um, but they, they need the um, – you can go to the website to petro.com, and then you just click on Contact John, and you can email me that way. So you said Fung's the front runner. Well, I'm supporting Jessica De La Cruz. Uh, that's two separate things. So – Jessica De La Cruz. She has never run statewide. She's never been elected in CD2. Now you're hoping she's going to be Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't know how that would play. I don't know how that would play in the state. Whenever people say, I want them to be the next Trump, I want them to be the next whoever, normally it doesn't play out that way. All right, I want to once again play because uh, he's really coming under fire. This is the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, who's now blaming the media for their coverage of these high-profile crimes in New York City. Really stop the story. Here we go. You know what I'm saying is, and you know I'm not saying it out of hate. I'm saying it out of love. I'm a black man that's the mayor. But my story has been interpreted by people that don't look like me. What does that even mean? We got to be honest about that. How many blacks are in the editorial boards? 
Now, how many blacks have determined how these stories are being written? Now it's the... How many Asians? How many East Indians? How many South Asians? Everybody talks about my government being diversified. What's the diversification in the newsrooms? So everybody go back with their predispositions. And my role as mayor is being interpreted through the prisms of your realities and not mine. So when you write stories, you're not writing stories for people who was almost homeless like me. You're not writing stories for people who were arrested and beat by police officers. You're not writing stories from those who are dealing with high crime. You're writing from your prisms. And I'm not saying this to attack, but my administration is going to be about saying the obvious that other people are uncomfortable with saying. Discomfort is growth. So I say that to all your owners of your papers, your editorials, diversify your newsroom so I can look out and see people that look like me and say, we're going to write stories based on the prisms that we had, based on the prism of this young man, based on the prism of being the first black woman that's the speaker, or Jumani Williams, based on the prisms of his realities. It's not what we're getting. That's not what we're getting. And that's why I'm covered the way I'm covered. I'm not comfortable with it. You know, that is, um, listen, a woman was killed, uh, brutally killed, as I mentioned in the first hour in New York City. And the, the facts of the case come out. Editorials that are being written in New York are about style. There have been other. He's not the first black mayor in New York. I lived in New York City when David Dinkins was the mayor. It was a disaster. Um, listen, it's, it's very simple. You have a problem with crime. <clears throat> and, of course, crime's going to be a factor, but it's the nature of it. And there's a problem when, all right, so the person that was arrested and caught who murdered that poor woman in Chinatown is a person of color, and he was a homeless person of color. But to start to go after the media, you know, this whole business of they don't look like me. I read a great thing, folks, and again, good afternoon. Right now it's one twenty. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. There was a great piece in the Wall Street Journal not long ago of a woman that wrote, she said, you know, that's false. This whole business that someone has to look like themselves in order for the person to identify. She wrote this great piece that said, and I, I'll find it, but growing up, her idol when she was nine years old was Joe Montana. And she mimicked herself after Joe Montana, the way he handled himself, marching the team down the field, the calm, collective nature of which he did it. So her argument is this whole business that we are hearing of identity politics, that people don't listen. People don't listen unless. People don't listen unless someone looks like them. That's false. That is, that is a false narrative. That's all identity politics. That is, you know, that's the whole thing. If you don't have uh, a woman of color on the Supreme Court, then no one thinks that a person of color, a woman, could be on the Supreme Court. That, that's, not, that's not accurate. That, that's not true. 
It, it does not work that way. To try to make that argument, right, that everybody, it, it it's all comes down to identity politics. You know, Gina, Governor Amundo would say that you already still see some people, by the way, that are trying to say that, you know, this way, uh, you know, Kamala Harris is big on that. This way, little girls can see that they could also be president uh, vice president of of the united states someday that 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 doesn't come into play that way um as here's a piece as a girl i found my hero in joe montana it's a mistake to hopeless oversimplify who one can identify with written by joanna cohen joe montana was my childhood hero this is a female. NFL quarterback remains the person who more than any anyone other shaped who I want to be. At this year's Super Bowl approach, I've been thinking about him, the prevailing idea. It's virtually important, vitally important, excuse me, vitally important for children to be able to picture themselves among those in positions of power and influence. The concept is that when kids turn their eyes to the Supreme Court or the International Space Station, they should see someone who looks like them and shares their live, lived experience. She writes, we shouldn't limit those who we can identify with. I discovered Miss Montana when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> if you put us side by side, you'd have seen two people didn't look much alike. Six foot two, he towered over me. Bigger muscles, shorter hair. He was more than twice my age. He was a man. He was from the small town, Pennsylvania. I was from New York City. He attended a public high school in Notre Dame. I went to a progressive prep school and have the most Jewish last name ever, Joanna Cohen. Yet he was everything to me. I was an athlete. So was he. The way he played sports was the way I wanted to play with confidence and courage, grit and grace. Sports writer Larry Schwartz wrote, Montana possessed an almost mythical calmness. In the midst of chaos, seeing that sensibility and set of skills in action made an incredible impression on me. It was what Mr. Montana did, not what he looked like or where he came from or any particular identity that spoke to me. I connected on the deepest level of how he conducted himself, his... um, Natural composure and utter coolness under pressure. His example is what propelled me to become captain of my high school sports team, cover Big Ten sports for my college newspaper, and get a job at Sports Illustrated. He was with me the whole way, poster on my wall, jersey on my back, constant in my heart. I write for television now. She's apparently a scriptwriter for Days of Our Lives. Montana is still with me. An autographed photo of him tossing up his arms in the, in the victory hang up on my desk. My company is called 1680, a nod to the members he and teammate Jerry Rice wore. Montana is my daughter's middle name. Someone who looks nothing like us and has an entirely different lived experience may end up being the person who inspires us most. We should teach children that the opportunity to connect is everywhere. Encourage them to choose the North Star that calls to them. Here's hoping a lot of little girls watch the Super Bowl 
and will find their own heroes. You know, that is so brilliantly written. I'm always in awe of someone who can write as well as that. And that is also the polar opposite of what we hear in conversations today. Everything is, this has to be done. So little girls can identify, this needs to be done. So this group And identify. Otherwise, they don't. You just heard the mayor of New York City. The people at the newspapers don't look like me. The people in the media that are covering me don't look like me. So it is a false notion that that's that's the only way you reach people. The only way of and think of, you know, you have to look back of who it is that could inspire you. Maybe when you were in a 125, folks, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 or 99.9 FM. Uh, you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. You know, it could have been, it could have been, um, you know, a nun that propelled you to follow uh, or, you know, to follow your vocation or excel in the career that you that you wanted. And that could have been uh, someone. There's different types of individuals that can inspire us. But it is, it's false. And you constantly hear that now. Of It has to be someone that looks like them. That's the only way that that you can reach people. You know, Governor Raimondo always did the governor uh, for the day contest. And the only ones that could enter were young girls. Because she said this way, young girls have to realize that they also can be governor and blah, blah, blah. And I, I just don't believe that. So, and, and that's a good example of it. It's all, that's all part of the identity politics it's the only way that people people only pay attention to someone that looks like looks like them. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro show is brought to you by the Centerdale Revival. Stop it and see them. Place is great. Are you looking for a new restaurant to try? Try the Centerdale Revival, 2025 Smith Street, North Providence. Food is delicious. Drinks are great, and it's a great crowd. I'll see you at the Centerdale Revival. I want to play um, Bob Lancia who is running in the 2nd Congressional District. He did an interview on Channel 12 yesterday. And since we're talking about frontrunners, I want to play some of it. It's not that long. Kim Kim Kalunian, or as Buddy Sands used to say, Kim Kalunian, he interviewed her, interviewed uh, Bob Lancey, excuse me. And I don't know, you just tell me, I, I just... I, I know I'm a little critical of whether this sounds like someone who's really um, going to be, you know, he has run before for this race. So, but I want to play it. And I'm glad that Channel 12 is doing this. They call it community focus. Let's just listen. It's only a few minutes long. Candidate and former state representative Bob Lancia. Bob, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So, 60 seconds or less, why do you want to represent Rhode Island? Give the elevator Congress? speech. Well, uh, you know. 
know, we have so many issues uh, that need to be addressed, and I really think I am the person to help address those uh, our financial issues, um, educational issues, uh, southern border, uh, inflation. Uh, taking care. You know what this tells me? This tells me he doesn't have what they call an elevator pitch. The elevator pitch is you, you get in the elevator with someone, and when the elevator stops, you finished your pitch. He is all over the map. He is all over the map. That tells me either him, this is someone he ran two years ago against Langevin, Bob Lancey, a former rep. This tells me he doesn't have one. It's supposed to be the same. You don't just, he's just throwing things out on the board. It, it, it's supposed to be the same 60-second speech where you touch on the issues that are defining what the voters want and then your campaign. I, I don't want to even say undisciplined. It sounds like he doesn't have one. All right, I'll let it continue. Care about seniors, health care. There's so many issues, and uh, they need to be addressed. They need to be addressed now. Yeah. Please you stop you the mentioned tape. a lot of issues there. What's one of your top priorities? Listen to how she has to now Jim Langevin's announcement. sort it out. You mentioned a lot of issues there. What are the most important? I mean, this is... So 60 seconds or less, why Give me the do you want to speech. represent Rhode Island Your in Congress? Well, uh, you know, we have so many issues uh, that need to be addressed, and I really think I am the person to help address those. Uh, our financial issues, um, educational issues, uh, southern border, uh, inflation, what? Uh, taking care of our seniors, health care. There's so many issues, and uh, they need to be addressed. They need to be addressed so now. many issues. You, you mentioned a lot of issues there. What's yes, one did. of your top priorities if you're sent Too down many. to D.C.? Well, I think, you know, I was listening listen to the radio and TV quite a bit, and it uh, seems everybody's talking about inflation, mm. and everybody's talking about crime. Yeah, those are two top ones for sure. How do you fix them? Those are big issues. Well, the first one, I think, with inflation, um, unfortunately, I think we spent too much money and we heated up the economy way too fast. And so one of the suggestions, of course, is to adjust the interest rates. But beyond that, um, we've got to be more fiscally responsible because if we don't, you know, we're at $30 trillion in debt. It's out of control. Deficit spending every year, uh, that's got to stop. You know, everybody loves, oh, we're getting money from the federal government. Yeah, but where is it coming from? I mean, let's face it, at one point, the Democrats were floating the idea of creating a trillion dollar coin and depositing into the Fed and borrowing against it when they have these issues with the budgets. I mean, it's just, it's craziness. It's just lunacy. We've got to fix that. And, uh, you know, as far as day-to-day stuff with people, I mean, you know, we need to be cutting some taxes. We need to reduce costs and, uh, you know, oil and energy, all those kind of things. And uh, uh, we're not doing a good job of it right now. So we definitely can do better. Mm. You're running as a Republican. You were the only person in the race uh, before Congressman Landman announced that he was retiring, which was a big surprise for many. Uh, you've run for the seat before unsuccess- unsuccessfully in 2020. There are a lot of people now tossing their hat into this ring. We're going to be talking with all of them here on 12 News at 4. Uh, most recently, your fellow Republican, Alan Fung, getting into this race. Is there any chance that we're going to see you drop out before the primary, or are you in this for the long haul? Um, I've been at this for three years now, so no, no chance I'm dropping out. We're working hard, and I've hired some additional people, national fundraiser, uh, national uh, folks as far as helping us with messaging, uh, as well as local folks. I've got a great campaign manager, Ray McKay from Warwick. He's been involved in politics for well over 20 years, so there's some good people in place, and we expect to be successful.
Uh, some Democrats are already trying to tie Republican candidates now, to the seat to former President Donald Trump. Are, are you a supporter of the president? Listen to the number of questions about Trump. Yeah, it, that's the funny part of it. It's not about Donald Trump. It's about policies and who has the best policies. And I got to say, this current president has been, in my estimation, I'm a Republican, right? It's been abysmal. Um, I think just, and I'm a former Navy chaplain, I'm a disabled vet, three right shoulder replacements. And I got to tell you, the withdrawal from Afghanistan, those 13 service members who were killed, I won't forget that. Uh, you know, we have to keep that in the forefront because now we've got the Ukrainian situation, when I'm not really happy about. We did a terrible job with that. And I don't think the United States is respected internationally right now. Uh, so, you know, that's an issue for me. Um, the other part is the uh, summer of 2020 with all the riots and everything. Think about this. We've had no hearings. We haven't held anybody responsible. Over $2 billion in damage, deaths and everything. And I believe that summer, the 2020, we put a target on our men and women in blue's backs. We've got to stop that. We've got to raise them up again because they took a lot of bad press and it's open season right now. Look at the shootings of our men and women in blue in New York and around the country. It's got to stop. We need to respect those folks just as we need to respect our military. Would you vote for President Trump if he ran again? Another Trump question. Um, If I'm a Republican and a Republican candidate is running, of course I will. But I do have to say, you know, I don't think it's all about President Trump. I think as well. Governor DeSantis in, in, in Florida right now is killing it. So I really like him a lot, too. Killing it. Uh, we've got about just a minute left. Uh, you live in the 2nd Congressional District. Some of the other candidates don't currently. It's not actually required. But do you think it's important to live within the district you represent? Well, I think I do think it is because you understand the issues and you've been with the people. I mean, I've traveled from the northern part of the state all the way to Block Island. You know, we did our 20-stop land retirement tour last year uh, back in 2020. I think it's important to get to know the people and everything. I like the fact they say, well, if I win, I'll move into the district. Great. But, you know, uh, the other thing one of the Democrat uh, opponents is saying uh, is that um, we need to keep the seat blue. No, we actually need to keep the seat red uh, or get the seat become red because I believe there's going to be a red wave in 2022. I believe the Republicans are going to take the House, the Senate, and I believe in 2024 we're going to retake the White House too. And I believe we have to to save this country. We're in trouble right now, and I don't think anybody can disagree with that. The policies in this first year or so of this presidency is atrocious. Former state representative and Republican. Now, again, candidate. folks, I, I'm not trying to pile on here. Uh, that is Bob Lancey. I, I think, and I want to remind people, you know, he, he's run before. Um, without being mean, I think he's doing the best he can. Um, the, the, there's a lot to, as they say, unpack there. Um, I didn't hear Langevin once, um, I didn't hear Nancy Pelosi mention once he he was like almost respectful about biden the biden presidency is it's beyond abysmal i didn't hear a lot about people in the district he also mentioned radio and television i don't want to go on and on but you know you don't come out with the laundry list this business of inflation and what he's hearing on television and the radio it it doesn't even mention voters it doesn't mention, I mean, it's just, it's a little too all over the place. Again, nice man. Don't want to be mean to him. Um, I think at some point we'll probably have a debate amongst the candidates that are running. And so I want to be objective about that. But it just seems to be a lot of throwing things at the wall. I'm just going to throw out, you know, and even the riots. What does that have to do with Congress? So you're saying you want to go to Washington and have hearings on the violence from from two years ago? Um, 
<laughs> I, I don't know. I haven't heard that. I think that's kind of up to, why don't we leave that up to the leadership? And maybe why don't we just focus on, it would, it would be nice to be represented. I didn't hear anything about Cicilline. Um, people, right now, people are frustrated because they don't have representation in Washington. The only people that they represent are the, the progressive left. There's, there's no one. You need someone with a seat at the table. So that is Bob Lee and say. And I'll also say this about elections. I'm always a little skittish on people that say there's no way I'm ever getting out of the race. Because I don't, I don't think you can operate that way. I don't think, you know, it, it all depends on why someone's running. Um, you run to win. If, if you don't run to win, I question the only people that say they would never get out of the race are people who sometimes they're not running to win. If, if you're a business person and you're looking at doing an acquisition, you don't go into it saying nothing can stop me from this acquisition. No, it, you're doing it as long as it, it makes sense. If it reaches a point where it no longer makes sense, then it's not something you pursue anymore. Uh, the dynamic for Bob Lancia, and I'll just, I don't want to go on and on about it, but listen, the dynamic changed the, the moment that Langevin's not running, that State Senator Jessica De La Cruz threw her hat in, and then things really changed when former Cranston Mayor Ellen Fung who is considered the front runner when he entered the race to simply say, oh, no, I am running and there's just no way that I, I, I don't know about that. You know, Mayor Alan Fung was going to run for general treasurer. And then he saw this as a better race, and I think it is a better race for him. I think it's a very winnable race um, and, and it's better suited for him. Because of the areas where he does well and what you need to do well. So if, if State Senator Jessica De La Cruz reaches a point where she doesn't see a path to victory, I, I don't, I, you don't just, you know, nothing could get me out. I, I, I don't know. It, it just doesn't work that way. You, you, the people that are successful in politics to, that I've encountered are people that, that have a path to victory. And if, if they don't have one, then they don't go down that unless you're just prepared to do the thing of lose gracefully. Um, I also, I think I've interviewed the guy that he mentioned, Ray McKay. He's a real conservative right wing. Um, I am unfamiliar if he's had any success advising anyone on a campaign. Maybe he has, but I think I've interviewed him, and he's very much just about, not so much about winning. It's more of, oh, you know, we're prepared to lose, but we're going to uphold these principles, which, listen, either you're into win or you're not into win. Um, people have to decide if they're, you know, are they really into win or are they doing it as a hobby? So, but I think that's um, also, I want to credit that. I want to play the hockey coach from West Warwick that is talking about the drunk driving laws. You know, this, this, they, he's going to be very disappointed. 
when he sees the lack of support for cutting down on drunk driving in the state because it doesn't exist. It certainly, I'll tell you one place it doesn't exist is the Rhode Island State House. So he did do an interview on Channel 10, and um, this is the report with um, this terrible situation. It says road to recovery. One of these boys may not make it. I, I know they don't mean it that way, but on the Chiron it says road to recovery. You have a 17-year-old boy that's in a in a coma. So These two teens are captains. One of them the is okay. The, the driver's now, one okay. One of them is slowly recovering while the other is fighting for his life. Oh, it's terrible. I can't lose my two my two boys. The West Warwick Exeter West Greenwich Division Three hockey team devastated. When it really hit, I was just crying in my bed all day. The two captains, 17-year-old Matt Dennison and Kevin McDonald, were on their way back from visiting a junior hockey program in Connecticut when they were hit by a driver, Alex Krajewski of North Kingston, who state police have charged with multiple DUI-related offenses. It happened over the weekend on Route 165 in Exeter. Kevin is doing well. He uh, is recovering from his injuries. Matt, on the other hand, is is struggling, right? Um, In my opinion, we need prayers and a miracle. Dennison, the leading point scorer in the division, and McDonald, the leading goaltender, dedicated to their sport. So they're heading back from a hockey thing, heading here to West Fork to watch Coventry play on their senior night, and uh, sadly they didn't make it. Dedicated to their team. Other little brothers to me. Um, They're big brothers to almost everyone else that stands here behind me. Every single day, laughs, jokes, all that. Rides the games, everything. Uh, they were, they were always in my corner. Now Terrible. they're asking for the community's help. That's one of the parents' wishes is to, you know, have everyone donate blood because um, we, we sadly needed a lot of it. And wow. calling on state leaders. As for the state reps, I'm going to speak to you right now. The DUI law, make it stick. Nope. There's way too many. Re- they're not doing anything. All these young teens who are going through pain now because of it. But first, forget the money, forget the blood. Ultimately, this community is asking for prayers. Now, like they said, if you want to help now, prayers are definitely needed. You know, the, um, I mean, that is, is terrible. And, and I, I appreciate the sentiment of the coach. You know, reps, we need to tighten up the drunk driving laws. Um, Governor McKee has not mentioned this incident. Governor McKee didn't mention the Olivia Passaretti case. There, there is a tolerance at the Rhode Island State House, Democrat controlled. Whatever you're doing right now, 144 on this Wednesday, hear me out. Let's just be very clear about something. At 144, and you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Drunk driving, driving under the influence is tolerated in the state. I, I know people don't want to hear that. You have to deal in reality. It's, it's one-party rule. The Democrat Party is willing to sacrifice the lives of innocent civilians every year under our very loose drunk driving laws. They are. If you visit the website, petro.com and I learn more about it, you know Connecticut, and I, good afternoon. I know we have a number of listeners that listen uh, over the line in Connecticut on AM 1380. Connecticut is seventh toughest drunk driving laws in the country. Rhode Island's very lackadaisical. I think we're 35th 
We're one of the most lackadaisical in New England. But let's just be very clear about this on this Wednesday. Today, Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee, former mayor of Cumberland, could demand with Speaker Joe Sacacci, Senate President Dominic Ruggiero, Attorney General Peter Narona. As I've said, we're going to have a two-hour working lunch. Come over, governor's office, we're going to have lunch, all four Democrats, all four white men. And when we emerge, we're going to have legislation to tighten the drunk driving laws in the state. My question, do you see that happening? The answer is no. There's no appetite for it. The state house is controlled by attorneys. It's controlled. It's big business right now. They're willing to tolerate the lives of innocent civilians as opposed to tightening up a drug driving laws. Right now in Rhode Island, if they wanted to, they could all they'd have to do is mimic Connecticut. All they would have to do is say, from now on, you can't refuse the test. From now on, Arizona has very tough drunk driving laws. The state of Arizona. Very, very tough. Toughest in the nation. You know, there's so many different, it's a smaller state. Whether it is, you know, giving an incentive to to, uh, bars and restaurants for rideshare service. To the fact that now everyone has cell phones. There's there's no reason for it. There's there's no reason for Rhode Island to have these lackadaisical laws. When a state right next door to us, Connecticut, is considered seventh toughest in the country. Connecticut, first time DUI, sentenced six months incarceration. A fine of $1,000. Driver's license suspension, 45 days. uh, Ignition interlock, full year in term of supervision. It's all the laws in Rhode Island could be changed. Um, in, In Connecticut, a first DUI is not a felony. A second DUI within 10 years is a felony, as well as third and subsequent. So it could be much tougher. But the toughest laws are Arizona. Rhode Island doesn't. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that, by law in Connecticut, DMV must suspend the license for 45 days. And then the whole business of the interlock. So... Rhode Island, I'll tell you what they do, is they tell people not to take the test. This guy that hit these two kids head on, he was at the scene. I believe he was in the crash. He, of course, no injuries. This firefighter from Newport. But they have him on that. But most of the time, they just encourage people, don't take the test. Don't take the test. And then we'll, hey, that Senator Archambault of Smithfield. He, he had on his website, he wrote the law on drunk driving. And I get someone say, uh, has said, you know, someone's got to represent them. I, I get that. That's true. But it, does it have to be elected public of officials? Um, 
I, um, you know, and, and too many people now have learned you just refuse the test and then the drunk driving lawyers. But let's let's just be very clear about it. I would tell you if I knew that Governor McKee was meeting with the speaker, with the Senate president to immediately pass legislation to cut down and try to eliminate drunk driving. Uh, I have nothing to announce. No. They're, they're willing to accept a certain level of it. I, I know. It is sad. And I feel terrible for this this boy. You know, would stiffer penalties, would it stop drunk driving? I, you know, you, you got to do something different than what we're doing. What we're doing right now is not working. Listen, people should be allowed to go out to a bar and drink as much as they want. People should be able to go out to a restaurant, drink as much as they want. We, we have to stop where then they get behind the wheel. I'm not even opposed to happy hours. If there's a bar, if they want to pass it, all these other states that have it, um, I'm, I'm not opposed to that. The, the state needs to do better with penalties, deterrence, and, you know, something um, different than the norm regarding rideshare service you know when's the last time you heard of a bar or restaurant getting in trouble because a drunk driver left their place and then was on the road now we don't know uh exactly where this firefighter was coming from when he hit these two kids and nor do we know where was the criminal coming from after but th- there should be penalties there if you run a liquor establishment you can't have people leaving your establishment and getting behind the wheel when they are intoxicated. And and now, as I've said, between, you know, everyone's got a cell phone. Years, you didn't have years ago. You maybe call a cab now. There's Uber, Lyft. Something needs to change. And many times, by the way, many times the people that are involved with these drunk driving crashes, it's not their first time. What's different about this is in the past, years ago, it used to be young drunk drivers behind the wheel. Uh, every graduation season, every prom season, you don't have that as much anymore. Now the people that are crashing are adults crashing into children. That's a problem. But look at these high profile examples and nothing's being done. Nothing. Governor McKee doesn't even mention it. No one even asks him about it. Next time they have, he has a press conference, I'd like to ask him about it. He doesn't even say the names of the victims. Nothing. It's not even news to them. Doesn't even hit them. You know, all due respect, I don't expect the hockey coach from West Warwick to know what to do. You don't even hear anyone at the state house. All these reps last night, what were they arguing about? They want people to be able to vote without an ID. You don't even have anyone with all that talk. You don't even have anyone saying, hey, wait a minute. We need to do something about drunk driving. You know why? Because the leadership's not behind it. And the leadership would not okay anything like that. Because our General Assembly, it, it's controlled by lawyers. And, you know, they, they're a tight-knit group. And they don't venture outside of that. And they don't want to harm someone else that's part of the the group and so therefore nothing is done and they allow these drunk driving lawyers and there's some people 
That's how they make their living. They should be put out of business. I think they should make you can't refuse the test. If you refuse the test, you lose your license for two years, period. Something extreme. Nope. Can't refuse the test. I refuse the test. Well, then you lose your license. No, that's it. Boom. Two years. Lose your license. Some some dramatic penalty. I met an attorney not long ago. Well, in the past year or so, someone I knew. All he does is he's a drunk driving attorney and his entire practice now is drunk driving in Newport. And every weekend he gets all these guys and men and women come in from out of state. Most of the time it's people from Boston, Connecticut, uh, New York, and they get nailed on. It's it's very transactional, drunk driving uh, in Newport. There's, There's something wrong with the system that people are able to earn a living from it. I don't want to shut it down any bar. I don't want to shut down any restaurant. But the, the element of allowing people behind the wheel when they are, this guy's severely intoxicated, even his lawyer said he's trying to put everything together. That tells me he doesn't even know what happened. He doesn't remember the accident. That's how annihilated this guy sounded. This head on crash into the teens, it's terrible makes you sick that young boy may not make it and now you're talking about a manslaughter charge there's too many look at what's going on right now the judge oh no we'll let the murderers on home confinement that way they're with their families well you know who's not with the families the 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 victims that they killed and now you know uh, he's going to still drive. He'll have this device on him, and we're going to work with the Newport Fire Department. Then he'll still be a firefighter. He shouldn't be a first responder. We have got to change the laws. Have to, and put it out there. It's all preventable. That is the saddest thing about it. Or as the attorney said, it's an unfortunate incident. That's not an unfortunate incident. Fortunate incident is someone who slips on some ice when they're going out to shovel their walk. That's an unfortunate incident. Not somebody, nine sheets to the wind, that crashes into two high school kids. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Stop it and see them right off 146, 40 Breakneck Road in Lincoln. I love it there. The weather's getting nicer. They have the big deck. You're going to love it at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Well, folks, good afternoon. Right now, it's 156. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Uh, remember, you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. We have a new story going up on that judge a little bit later. I think, as I, I mentioned earlier, this story, where in San Francisco, of all places, they recalled some members of the school committee. I think that's positive. You know, parents are getting more involved. Parents are in and people are starting to question some of the people that are on these school committees. I also want to mention that, you know, Governor McKee had a press conference. He's having a press conference. We need to build brand new schools. There is no evidence that new schools raise test scores. I want to repeat that. People would know this. Providence has some beautiful new schools and it has done nothing to raise test scores zero 
the only people that truly benefit are the union workers that do the no-bid construction on it. That's really it. Um, by the way, completely unrelated, I, I can't, I'm shocked about the men's hockey team in the Olympics. They were cruising, and now they're out. I was excited for Quinny, David Quinn from Cranston. The coach of the men's hockey team knocked out because of the shootout. That's too bad. They were undefeated. They were undefeated. Going to be the front runner in the medal round. Not any longer. But, now listen, there are some schools around the state that when they did add on to the high schools, that it, it dramatically changed the schools. There's no question about that. And I want kids to go, you know, there is a difference between um, somebody in, you know, you don't want them in an old, crept, decrepit building or anything like that. But so much of this, um, it really comes down to the, the, the child, the parents, how much effort is put into it. Um, it you know, yes, I, it is nice to have a nice structure. It's good for athletic facilities. I mean, I get all of that, but by and large, like I said, you know, Providence, people wouldn't know it, but there's some beautiful state-of-the-art new schools in the city of Providence. And in those state-of-the-art, brand new central air heating and everything else, still, the kids cannot do math at their grade level. They can't, you know, uh, perform English, write, spell proper grammar at their grade level so much of that it i i think it's a misnomer that somehow that's going to help the education it's just it's a nicer facility for people to be in i'll grant you that but it it doesn't exactly translate into better test scores folks at 159 again it's the john DePietro show uh visit the website dipetro.com again we have another story unique story going up about that judge um we're going to be doing facebook live later I'd like you to stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news, and then it's the John Dion program. As the melting continues, uh, stay safe and enjoy this Wednesday.